Well, when we uh, first came to Hibernia, uh, we'd get phone calls, and the phone calls usually kind of went along the lines of, what kind of church are you guys? We were meeting in an elementary school. I think people wanted to know, hey, what's happening? What are y'all doing? Um, are, you, are you conservative, liberal? What are you guys, right? Um, they would call up, and uh, those days, is this uh, Habanero Baptist Church? Um, Hibernia? And so uh, we would basically uh, answer the phone and just try to say and answer their question the best we could. Uh, what we did is we got together as a leadership team. Many of you know this story because you've been to our foundations uh, dinner and uh, began to share, we want to be a biblically driven church. We want to be, we want to be, our desire is to be a biblically driven church. Uh, meaning that we want to know what the Bible says we should do and just do it. That's pretty simple, Right? We also want to see how the church acted, like in the book of Acts, and act like the church uh, when it's being obedient to the Lord. So we want to be a biblically driven church. Uh, why would we come up with that? But, well, here's what we believe. We believe that God's Word uh, should direct our lives, and that our lives are not normally or naturally defaulted uh, to follow God's Word, but instead to repel against it. Uh, to all we like sheep have gone astray, like sheep we've gone our own way. So we are constantly trying to, as a church, align ourselves with God's Word. This would be wise for anyone to do in their life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, He said in chapter 7 of Matthew, pretty interesting, the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount, that there are two types of people. There's wise people, there are foolish people. The wise people build their house on a rock, and the foolish people build their house on on sand, right? Floridians, y'all know what that's like. So the wise man builds his house on a rock. What does that mean? They have the right foundation. That foundation is not only knowing the Word of God, but doing the Word of God. Doing the Word of God is wise. Doing the Word of God means you're aligning your life to what God wants. In church world, we call it this. We call God's want His will. God has a will. He certainly does. Um, it's what he wants. It's what he's, there are different ways he's decreed that. He demands that, and he's shown that. But, but for our time this morning, when we know what God wants, we should then align our lives with it. Would you agree with that, yes or no? If you believe in God and believe that he's all-powerful and that he certainly created all things with the work of his own hand, then aligning your life to what he wants makes sense. Like, it makes sense. And when I don't align my life, when I go my own way, that doesn't, does not make sense. It's not wise. That's what Solomon picks up in Proverbs chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, look in Solomon, Solomon's words to his son. And uh, Proverbs 3, most likely these words are to his son, Maria Boam. You can just picture Solomon uh, going out in the garden with his son, having a conversation over, uh, overlooking his, uh, his kingdom or Around one of his many pools, uh, Solomon would have had incredible places to sit down with his son and just talk about life. He would talk about what is wise, what is unwise. Solomon's going to talk about what it means to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And the world's on that all the time. Uh, we're hit a new year. There are lots of folks trying to figure out how I can be more happy. More healthy, maybe more 
wealthy or just have something um, and maybe wise. But Solomon reverses the order because he understands what Jesus would teach us in Matthew chapter 7, also in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. If you want any of these things, you must first seek the kingdom of God. I mean, if you're seeking after wealth and health and happiness, uh, that's your goal. You're really not building a foundation upon which those things will stand. So Solomon reverses the order, and he's going to talk about what it is to be wise, what it is to be wise. Look with me, if you will, Proverbs chapter 13, uh, chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 13, chapter 3, verse 13. Blessed is the one. Well, halt there for a moment. Blessed, what does that mean? Well, in Hebrews, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a beatitude. Uh, that is a way of saying happy. Happy is the one. Happy is the one. Happy, that's real Sincere happiness, not based on circumstances, not happenstance, but what we would call maybe joy, true happiness. Solomon says to his son, you can be happy. You can be happy. And I want you to be clear that God does desire that we be happy. It's not his first desire for us, but it flows out of his greatest desires, and that is to make us holy like Christ. And out of that should flow joy because God is happy. God is happy. God is full of joy. Around his throne, there is rejoicing forevermore. So what's beautiful about aligning your life to God's will or his way is that there's joy that comes from it. There's happiness, there's blessing. And you're taught here, and I'm taught here, to find it. Blessed, happy is the one who finds wisdom, finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. So find it and get it. Uh, don't just seek it. Don't just be a seeker. Don't be just one of these people that, I mean, it's really vogue to be these days and say, I'm a spiritual person. I'm just seeking answers. I don't know if I'll ever find them. Um, I got lost when I was a little kid in Disney World. I'm glad my parents found me. They didn't just seek me. They found me. Th- this is what Solomon says about wisdom. Find it. Because you can. In fact, uh, if you read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to find that wisdom is out in public, shouting, easily accessible, all right? You just have to find it. You just have to know where to look, but when you do, you'll find it. So wisdom is something that you seek, and when you seek it, you'll oftentimes find that it's been seeking you as well. It's been seeking you as well. Uh, there was a young guy who was pretty wise himself. He looked at an older gentleman in his uh, life that had a lot of, accumulated a lot of wealth. He decided, I'm going to spend time with this older gentleman. I'm going to find out what he did to accumulate this wealth. Pretty good plan. So he took the man to coffee and he said, tell me about how you came about all this wealth that you now have accumulated. And the man said, well, here's what I did. He said, I, I had some apples and I sold those apples on the street for 10 cents a piece. I took the profits from those apples. I bought more apples. I sold those apples. And I just kept doing the same thing. And so the young man looked across the table and said, you're telling me that you accumulated all of your wealth by selling apples? He said, no, I was selling apples. And my wife's rich uncle died and left us a large amount of money. And we became rich overnight. But wisdom is that way, you know, in the sense that God wants us to be wise. This is not something God's left out for you to find on your own, figure out. But God is determined as well to make you wise. 
And when I talk about wisdom here today, I want to show you that there are some benefits to wisdom that maybe you've not thought about, but how it is that we attain wisdom that actually um, leads to blessing, leads to happiness, actually leads to health and wealth as well. How does this happen? Well, to begin with, I want you to see how that Solomon tells his son our priorities are to be um, our priorities are to be dictated. Look in verse five. If you had told you to open your Bibles to Proverbs three and you grew up in the church, you might think this is where we're going because this is like the John three sixteen passage. This is my life first. Someone might would say it's a good one to have. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. This is what Solomon says to his son. Don't trust your own heart. Don't trust your own understanding. Where do you gain your own understanding? Where do you gain your heart? Well, for Solomon's son, it was his friends. It was the gang he hung out with, the people he ran with. It's pretty interesting that Proverbs begins in chapter 1 by Solomon warning his son, be careful that you don't follow the path of your companions. Um, ours today are all around. Uh, maybe if you go to school, you're around people that are your same age and the same stage of life, and it's easy to look to them to try to find some sort of understanding from life, and hopefully you're figuring out, well, I think most people are, that you don't figure out life on a social media platform. And you don't figure it out from the gram, you don't find it out from some other video that you've watched from somebody else in your peer group, that understanding of life comes from a much deeper source. So Solomon starts off that with his son. Um, he says, you've got to trust the Lord. And then, this is verse 6, then your paths will be directed in all your ways, all your ways. How many of your ways? This is so key. This is aligning every part of my life to every part of God's want, every part of God's will. All of my ways, the way I spend money, the way I spend my time, the way I spend my, uh, my energy with my friends, my, my, my leisure time, my fun, my sports, my, oh, no, I, I know all my ways. Uh, Rehoboam is being told, I- I'm to acknowledge God in it. And, and then he said, God will direct your paths. Uh, sometimes we are, hear this and we, we, we hear people say, hey, follow God's will for your life. But I think what God would say to us is follow me and I will direct you in my ways. Isn't that so much better? Because when we follow him, we began to realize as followers of Christ, he's directing our steps. Now, how do I do that? Like, I, how, okay, how do I do this? How do I follow him? Well, look at Jesus. Because Jesus is wisdom from God. And by looking to Jesus, we can find what it means to live God's way. Pretty simple. I, I want to tell you, this message is not going to be super deep. Real practical. Follow Jesus and you'll follow God's ways. Jesus had uncanny wisdom when he was on the earth. He did miracles that made people stagger. I mean, he raised people from the dead. But I read in Matthew chapter 13 that when Jesus went to his hometown, he taught them in the synagogue and they were astonished and said, where did this man get his wisdom? They are also amazed at his mighty works. But what they were stunned at was his wisdom. Jesus was a man who understood what it was to be under authority. The God-man Jesus 
what, 12 years of age went into church. Can you imagine this? A 12-year-old walking into the synagogue, you had all these rabbis with their beards and their books and their learned, and they began to talk about the law. And then this 12-year-old just absolutely blows them away. And then after he blows them away in the synagogue, he goes home and makes his bed. He becomes a man under authority of his mom and dad because he understood, understood that if I'm going to follow the father's authority, it starts with earthly authority. How do you know he made his bed? Well, you know when he raised from the dead in John chapter 20, verse 17, the disciples came in, they found that he had made his bed in the tomb. So when your parents tell you to clean your room, it's a good practice. It's being like Jesus. I'm being a little facetious, but I want to do, really do want to say this. We should look and see how Jesus lived and live like him. Why? 1 Corinthians 1.24 puts it succinctly, he is the wisdom of God. How do we see God? The disciples wanted to know that. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how do I see Jesus? Because I haven't seen him walking around. He's not met with me. I'm pretty sure he's not met with any of you. How do I see him? Well, we see Jesus revealed in and through the Scriptures. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. And in Jesus, we have the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh. If I want to find out who He is, I have to look in the Scriptures because the Scriptures reveal to me who Jesus is and what the wisdom of God will be for my life. I have to then align my life to Jesus by aligning my life, listen to this, very simple, to the Word of God. Because every part of God's Word is true. Take every part of God's Word into the lab, test it, you're going to find it's true. I will say most everything that's true, but there are things I say that aren't true. Why do you say that, Pastor? I didn't know. If you go to school, you're going to have a teacher who's learned, edu- learned educated, and is going to try to do their best to help you to become educated, but not everything they say is true, and they don't know it. Your parents are going to do everything they can to tell you what is true, but they're not going to tell you everything that's true. Why? Because they, can't, they don't know everything that's true, and not everything they say actually is. Why? Because they don't know it. But you can take every bit of God's Word, every piece of it, and you can test it, and it will be true. And it testifies to the truth. So if I want to align my life to Jesus, I have to align my life to His truth. Now, there's a catch here. here there's a catch here. Um, so you say, okay, this is that sermon that we're hearing that I need to go study the Bible, right? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, The Bible does say this, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly holding the word of truth. Yes, we are to work hard at rightly discerning and dividing the word of God and applying it to our lives. But here's the problem. We need help. This would lead some of us to say, well, if I'm going to really study the Bible, I'm going to get serious about it, and I'm going to go to seminary. And I've been to seminary, and I've accidentally called it cemetery, because some of my classes were not that great, but most of them were. I recommend seminary if you're going going to go and, and, and train for the ministry. I do recommend it. But you don't have to go to seminary and learn Hebrew and Greek to understand God's Word. You don't. 
I was reading this week that uh, there's been this AI technology that uh, recognizes faces in public venues, and with that come some problems. People have literally walked into public venues like Madison Square Garden, for example, where that security feature is being utilized, face recognized, but misidentified, and the person kicked out of the event because they were falsely accused of being someone else by this technology. In other words, it's just not perfect technology. Imagine that. You're walking down the street, and uh, the FBI is looking for the most wanted, and your face strikes their database, and now you're incarcerated. So it's not a perfect technology. But the University of Georgia, go dogs. The University of Georgia is developing a new technology that doesn't work on face technology or face recognition, but ear recognition. Isn't that interesting? Did you know everyone has a unique ear? Your ear is so unique, it's different than everyone else's. Your ear is so unique that people can identify you using technology via your ears. That's an amazing thing. But it doesn't surprise me because the Bible tells us all of our ears are very unique. Some ears can hear and some cannot. And this is why Jesus said, he that has ears, let him hear. Everyone has ears, Jesus. What are you talking about? Jesus was saying there are some who hear words, but they don't discern the truth. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. This is why you can go maybe to a conference and sit in a room where the preacher is preaching, and someone be bored to tears, and the other one be broken to tears because of the ears that hear the word that's coming from the Holy Spirit. So in order to gain wisdom, I have to look at Jesus through the lenses of Scripture, but I need the help of the Holy Spirit. He inspired the Word, and He illuminates it to those of us who are believers. The Word of God is powerful. It does not return void. You, this week, could say, hey, guys, at our workplace, I, I have this plan for 2023. At our workplace, we're going to study the Bible together. We're going to take one principle from God's Word every week and apply it to our business practices. If you could get away with that at your place of work, let me tell you what would happen. What would happen at your place of work if you took one biblical principle that was faithfully held to the text and you applied it at your workplace every single week, there would be fruit in your business. People would be, would be receiving lots of different gifts because of that. They would see lots of insight. They would have uh, discernment. But if they're not believers, they would not have blessing. Blessing is to those or for those who are full of the Holy Spirit who have the Word of God illuminated so that they see how to align their lives up to the will of God. That only happens supernaturally. In the book of 
Exodus chapter 31, there was some work that had to be done. And the Bible says there was a man by the name of Bezalel. There were others who had the Spirit of God on them to do the work that God called them to do. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, the early church had some problems. Some people were being left out. It was a serious issue, and the problem had to be solved. So the church decided they would call good men together of, the Bible says, good reputation, but full of the Spirit and of wisdom. They were people who are full of the Spirit of God. Therefore, they had the wisdom of God to help the church align the church, take the church to align the church to the will of God. This is what it takes for all of us. If we're going to align our lives to the will of God, we have to have the Spirit of God illuminate the Word of God in our lives. It means you have to be first saved. If you are not saved, you're going to read the Word of God, and it can be a help to you. And there are principles there that are going to make your life better, but it will not bless your life. But those of us who are saved find Psalm 1 to be absolutely true. That the man who meditates, just saturates himself in the Word of God, and then obeys that Word of God, sees everything in his world prosper when it aligns to the Word of God. Um, in the Old Testament, there are four different types of wisdom. There's wisdom that leads to skill or talent that's given to, by God to people. And aren't you glad there are people with skill and talent that can lead us in worship, that have architectural abilities, artistic abilities. There are those who have a great intellect, that God gives wisdom so that they can think things through. People that have common sense, they have insight. That's how the Bible puts it. But foresight is better than hindsight and both insight. Uh, is better than both. Insight comes from the Lord. But the last and first and most important level, uh, last and first probably doesn't go well together, but the most important uh, level of wisdom is the fear of God. Solomon says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the overarching principle for the book of Proverbs. It's the overarching principle for the book of Proverbs and the Old Testament and the New Testament because all the fear of God means is this. I trust God so much. He's so good. I respect Him and revere Him so much that I want my life to be in line with His his will. I'm not afraid of God, but I definitely am afraid of not being in line with His will. That's why wisdom starts. There are two realms in which when we uh, put our lives in line with God's Word, we'll experience joy and happiness. Number one is earthly Happiness. We'll experience earthly happiness. So if you're here today and you think, hey, we, all we talk about is the sweet by and by, and we can't wait for Jesus to come so we can escape this world. Um, let me tell you, we're looking for Jesus to come. We would love to escape this world, but we also know he has us here and we can enjoy life now. I don't know where we were the other day, but I, it was somewhere where you shouldn't be sad. And I looked at Sarah and I said, all these people look like they're, they're unhappy and don't want to be here. But here's the reality for the believer. Life is not easy. Life is hard. Sometimes life throws us things we never expected to come our way. And yet at the same time, the joy of the Lord is our strength and we can be happy to be here. Just because this isn't heaven and it is not heaven, earth is not heaven, doesn't mean we can't enjoy this, this existence on, our, on this earth in which we, in which we live. We're, we're supposed to occupy this place. We're supposed to... Show the joy of the Lord. So you look at verse 14. Here it says, Wisdom then is, is far better to gain than silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares to her. 
So though this earth is a place where we can enjoy its bounty and the materials that we receive, it's certainly not our aim. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. It doesn't mean there's things that are wrong with the things of the earth. There are lots of things on this earth that I love, that you love, that you enjoy, and that I enjoy that are good, but should not be our desire. Solomon said to his son in Proverbs 8, wisdom is better than jewels, and all you may desire cannot compare with her. All Solomon is saying, and Solomon, a wealthy man, imagine this, possibly sitting, possibly sitting at one of the expansive swimming pools, in which he had many, over gardens that would have made anyone today all anew. Because of his wealth, would say to his son, don't seek wealth. It's fine. True wealth is what? True wealth is this wisdom. What? What's wisdom? Aligning yourself, your life, to what God wants, what God wills. That's where health comes from. He says also about life, verse 16, long life is in her hand. In aligning your life with God's will, what do you have? Long life. In her right hand are riches and honor. Here you have a prosperity of life that goes well beyond anything that you can purchase, anything that you can attain through, um, through money. The Jews had an idea of old age. They had an idea that once you were 60 years of age, you've commenced into the old age time frame, 60 years of age. I think that's probably pretty good, 60 years of age. If you're 60, you probably didn't have a cell phone in high school. 70 to 80, the hoary-headed age, that's when you're kind of getting foggy up top, inside and out. And 80 years was that well-stricken of years, well-stricken of years. I don't know if that is any of you, but that's okay, because Abraham, when he died, he was 175 years old. So I guess old age is relative, isn't it? But what was said about Abraham is this, Abraham died at a good old age. Well, you say he was 175, that's a good old age. That's not what the Hebrew means. It meant that he had a fullness of his life or a fullness of years. I was watching the show, I was really intrigued because there was a young guy in his early 20s that went skydiving and neither of his parachutes opened and so he landed on the ground and survived without any parachutes. So he was being interviewed all over the place. But what intrigued me too was that this young guy said, well, when I woke up in the hospital and I was asked, what do you think? I thought, well, I've lived a really good life. You're 24, man, come on. 25, I don't know, so somewhere in that age. I've lived a really good life. I've been skydiving. I've been snowmobiling. I've been hiking. I've been all over the Caribbean. And I'm thinking, dude, you have no idea what life's all about if that's what you're counting as a full life. Full life is not what you have done or what you have bought, but the relationships you have built with the Father God Almighty and those around you that belong to Him because you have aligned your life with His will. You have to start early if you're going to do this. Solomon said, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and 
Years draw near which they will say, I have no pleasure in them. In other words, don't wait till you're old to start living in wisdom. Align your life to God's word and his will when you're young. Long life is not necessarily what is at hand here in the sense of length, because some people who live godly die young. But the overarching principle is that when you live a godly life aligned to His Word, you keep your life away from those things that can kill you or destroy you. And sin is the ultimate destroyer. So God says, I I want you to have wisdom on this earth, to be full of joy on this earth. Second realm in which we have happiness is eternal happiness. Look at verse 18. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed or happy. Who's happy? People who have eternal life. Why? You can't take it away from them. That's real joy. You can't take it away from them. Death can't steal what they have and that they have a life from God. That tree of life was in the Garden of Eden. We see it transplanted in Revelation 22 to heaven. And everyone who knows the Lord will have eternal life. That's true alignment. Verse 20 tells us this, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. In other words, Solomon's driving home to his son, look, you can trust the Lord, you can trust the Lord, you can trust the Lord. He created everything out of nothing. Everything that we make, everything we invent is made out of something, but God took nothing and made everything. And then verse 20 says this, by knowledge of the deeps, uh, by knowledge, the deeps were broken open and the clouds dropped down the dew. In other words, God is so wise, not only does He work creation, He works in creation by holding the lava down and only lets it out when it needs to, however, for whatever reason it needs to come out. And the dew, which we can't explain fully, comes down gently. He, he's in the chaos. He's in the solitude. And if we can trust God in those things, which is which, which everything, you can trust God within your own life. Now, wisdom from God is a free and gracious gift. James says, if you need wisdom, how do I align my life with your will, God? How do I align my life with your word? Ask him. James said, ask him. God will give you wisdom. But I'm going to give you three ways in which I believe we ought to attain wisdom here. Number one, we attain godly wisdom through personal determination. Here the scripture says, find Throughout Proverbs, it's get wisdom, lay hold of wisdom. Don't just be floating around, but constantly seeking after this wisdom from God, constantly attempting to align your life uh, to the will of God. Secondly, personal determination and spiritual discipline. You know, the Bible says we're to pray for our daily bread. Our daily bread is what we need to sustain us, all right? It may not be what we want to eat, but it's what we need to eat. Every day, we are to pray for our daily bread. Jesus said, however, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Therefore, every day, we need the word of God. Every day, we need the word of God. We need it. I mean, you don't necessarily have to eat tomorrow. You can go a long time without eating, and you'll feel the effects pretty soon. You'll become malnourished eventually. You may not think you need the Word of God every day, but you'll become spiritually malnourished. You need it every day. And every day, a spiritual discipline of studying God's Word in order that I might align my life to it so that I might also daily die. Every day I get up, and you know who gets up with me? Not my wife, because she's usually up before me. She usually has coffee made very early in the morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Leslie. Now, someone else, Scott Yurka gets up with me, the old Scott, the old man. 
And every day I have to put to death my flesh. I'm like, I thought I killed you yesterday. Yeah, I'm back. Spiritual disciplines enable me not only to receive what I need from God, but also to every single day deny myself, take up my cross, and follow after Him. Spiritual disciplines are necessary for wisdom, to gain it in order that I might align my life with God's Word. Spiritual disciplines of prayer every day. Spiritual disciplines of Bible reading, of Bible memorization, of Bible meditation, of keeping my mind on those things. That's discipline, y'all. Discipline, y'all. Because... Every single day, I'm getting messages from every realm imaginable. And the only way to defeat that, the way Jesus did when he was in the wilderness and the devil came with temptation and Jesus spoke back the word of God. We need spiritual discipline. Thirdly and lastly, we attain godly wisdom through personal determination, spiritual discipline, and intentional discipleship. You never float into God's will. God is determined. God is determined to make you into the image of Christ. He who began a good work in you, Paul says, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is not your single soul determination to align your life to the Word of God that enables you to be wise, but God is determined to bring you into alignment. However, you have responsibility, and your responsibility is to be Determined, disciplined, and yes, discipled. Disciple means that you can't do it on your own. You need help. God gave a responsibility to Hibernia Baptist Church and to every church that's a true church, and that is to make disciples. What do we do when we make disciples? Well, we are to teach what Jesus taught, but not just teach it. We are to teach so that we might observe it. Observe it. A little girl watching her mom iron. She was way too little to be around an iron without supervision, wasn't able to iron herself, but she was really intrigued at her mom ironing, and her mom knew that. She knew the curiosity of the little girl. So she said to the little girl, you see, this iron is really hot. If you touch this iron, it will burn you. And she gave that little girl the knowledge that she needed, the knowledge that she needed. But the little girl didn't have understanding. And so when the mom received a text and she turned around to walk outside the room to return a text, the little girl reached up and grabbed the iron and burned her hand. And that knowledge moved into another sphere. That knowledge became understanding. Oh, that's what it means. A few days later, her mom was ironing again. The little girl was there watching with curiosity. Her mom also walked out of the room again, but said, don't you touch that iron. She had that knowledge. But now she had understanding. And since she'd been burned, she had wisdom to align her life with her mother's command, don't touch the iron. You can get wisdom sometimes <laughs> the hard way. But understanding is from the Holy Spirit through the revelation of his word that is specifically given to us to reveal to us Jesus Christ, the Father, so that we can put our life in line with the Lord. This is why we have what we have here in our discipleship ministry. If you're a disciple of our church, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ in our church, a disciple of Jesus Christ in our church, here's what's going to be true of your life. Number one, 
you're going to be here at church. You know why? Because you're going to be here with other believers who recognize that the first day of the week is when we come together in order to pray together, sing together, hear the word of God together, obey together, give together, send missionaries together, commend people to the grace of God together, have communion together, celebrate baptism together, and praise God when people are converted here together. And that leads into our personal and family worship, because our worship should then extend into our home, around the table, where we're talking about what God is doing in our lives, and what God has taught us, and it's a conversation that we want to have. And it's why during Resolute, that we are on Wednesday having very specific breakout sessions, yes, this is a plug for Resolute, but also a plug for family worship, to train you in how to have family worship, regardless of what stage of family you're in. Even as singles, what can I do to be a part of family worship that extends from my table to other people? And then lastly, in that worship, and there's no more to it than this, it's my own personal worship, when I dedicate myself to my quiet time and my devotion with the Lord, so that I can align my life to God's will in every part of my work, and my play, and my school, so that every part of my life is worship to God. So if you're a disciple, you, you come to church. That's where it starts. Second, you're in a you're in gospel-centered community. Like, you don't live on your own away. I don't know how many of you during the Christmas and the New Year break thought, I miss my Bible study group. I thought that. I need to be around people. I need to be in that structure. I, I'm not maybe different or unique. I think we all need that. I think God gave us that. God didn't say go to a Sunday school class or a Bible study class or a small group, but he sure did show us how important that was when he was with his disciples, when Jesus was discipling the three and the 12. And it's there that you learn to serve. Because we're not just talking about coming to another group where you're getting knowledge, but where you're gaining wisdom by aligning your life to God's will, by serving and then fleshing out. So if you're a disciple in our church, we just believe these, these characteristics are true. You're coming to church, you're in a Bible study group, and you're serving through it. Why are you serving through it? Because these are the people that need to serve. They need to know they're cared about and loved and they're prayed for and someone's watching out for their spiritual health and I'm getting together with them and we're hanging out together and we're fellowshiping and doing life through uh, our conversations around the Word of God and raising kids and going through retirement or whatever stage we're in. Man, we are walking with each other and we know when somebody in our, in our group's not, not walking with the Lord. You can be a seventh grader and you can be plugged in serving because you know that there are seventh graders that you need to love and pray for and care for. And you can be an empty nester and realize, I need to help my brothers and sisters who are going through this stage of their life. And you can be, you can be parents raising kids that are also dealing with aging parents and you're going through that difficulty. Or you're, you're in that stage of now just having kids and just, what do we do with these children? How do we train them up so that they love the Lord with their heart, mind, soul, and strength, that they don't... They don't get scarred by this world. We need this service. So are you serving? Are you serving through your Bible study group? That's the question. Like, here's, am I in the discipleship pathway of our church? Am I at church? Am I in Bible study group? Am I serving? And then, man, am I, to my best of my ability, am I making, am I making other disciples? Multiplying. Because we want to see other churches multiplied. And we want to see other Bible study groups multiplied and other Christians multiplying so that more and more people are making it to heaven and missing hell. Am I doing that? We want to help you with that. So how do I get involved with that? That's, that's what the message is today. It's a foundational message. Because wisdom is aligning yourself with the Word of God. And aligning yourself with the Word of God means that you then, supernaturally, by God's Spirit, get help. You don't do it alone. And you have to realize it is in the midst of the congregation that we are determined 
to be disciplined and discipled. So what am I asking? I'm asking you, will you be discipled? Will you be a disciple of Jesus? We didn't come up with these four characteristics on a whiteboard. We didn't brainstorm. We went straight to Scripture. We said, what is it that the church, a biblically driven church does? What did the biblically driven church do? And let's do those things. And every time you see it, what were they doing? They were gathering for worship. They were encouraging each other as long as it's called today. They were serving through the body and in their giftedness. And they were making other disciples on mission with God. It's not hard. It's just hard work. Where are you? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we've had today to study your word, to think about aligning ourselves to your word. That's what wisdom is. That's what the fear of the Lord is. And and God, may we constantly do that. May I, as a pastor, as our elders, as we lead, do that. Humbly and regularly align ourselves to your word. Uh, God, you know our heart. uh, You know our our, our flesh, you know everything about us. And go, God, even today, there are those who are not aligned and been walking at a guilty distance even, maybe even backslidden by their own admission, need to get right with you. And may they do that in Jesus' name. Amen.